0: Hey friends, this is Jessica Levity Day Lover, reminding you that you are not alone on the polyamorous path. If you're looking for peer support or coaching on your non-monogamous journey and you want to work with the day lovers, head to remodeledlove.com and book with us today.
1: I wasn't sure if um, we were going to have video. So, I mean, obviously it's a podcast, so... (laughs)
0: I'm gonna describe what you look like though, which is horrendous. Oh my god, I am so offended. I mean, I'm literally wearing my tie-dye
1: pajamas, so um you're Joe's type.
0: <laughs>
1: All about that tie-dye. Hi Joe. <laughs> I fought in love just a little, oh a little bit every day with someone new. I fall in love just a little, oh
0: a little bit every day with someone new. You're listening to Remodeled, the podcast. Remodeled is a project whose goal is to expand the cultural narrative on healthy relationships in order to include ethical non-monogamy, non-partnered, asexual, open, and more. We are here to redefine love. I fall in love just a little,
2: a oh, little bit every day with someone new. I fall in love just a little, oh, a little bit every day with someone new.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Remodel, the podcast season two, partly edited. I've changed it.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm your polyamorous mama, Jessica Levity Day Lover, and with me, as always, my gentle sleep training partner, Mr. Daylover.
2: The Dan to your Roseanne.
0: Ah, uh, that's the best one you've ever come up with. I thought so. I do not have a big mouth. Becky! <laughs>
2: okay.
0: So that's some working class sitcom greatness right there.
2: Uh, Yeah, fully embodied.
0: And of course, my cat, Charlotte Webb, has made her entrance, as always. So I'm really excited. We have our first special guest of the season. So we're going to jump right into it. Um, Joining us from the West Coast, it's Purity to Polyamory. Hi, love. Hello. So if you're on Instagram and you follow me, you see that I repost, oh my God, (laughs) Charlotte (laughs)
2: okay so it's so
0: funny because i edited season one so much in season two i'm not editing but i had to edit out my cat so much in season one (laughs) and now she's just in here and she's old and she's senile and you know this is what it is we're embracing it it. yeah we're embracing it yeah Charlotte Webb has left the room. Okay. So if you follow me on Instagram, I repost a lot of stuff from this account called purity to polyamory. It's an anonymous account. Joe, do you love the mystery?
2: I love it. I'm here for it.
0: (laughs) Thank you. That'll give me some consideration for the future plans here. Perfect. So you do have an anonymous account. You are closeted for many reasons. Can you share the reasons that you're closeted?
1: Yeah, I mean, so obviously purity to polyamory, um, I come from a religious background. And at this point in my life, um, in my husband's life, um, we just are not able to be open about um, polyamory. And um, we also just have a little bit of fear around his work, um, finding out and how that would sort of play out. So this is just what we've decided for now. And I'm not sure if it'll evolve over time. So
0: do you, how do you feel about being closeted? Oh,
1: it's awful. Okay. It's just, it's like a disconnect, you know, all the time. Like, I mean, I'll, I'll get together with friends and family and they'll be like, what have you been up to? And like, all I really want to talk about is like the writing and things I'm doing, um, on, you know, Instagram Instagram um, <laughs> <laughs> and it just like I can't talk about it obviously so it's it's a lot of pressure to feel like I have to like say the right words all the time mm,
0: yeah it's like living a double life yeah um, well so since you are anonymous and you know on this podcast we talk a lot about identity and I love my guests to start with a list of their privileges and so I know you can't go into great detail about who you are but For those listening, can you let us know your identity and the privileges that you carry so that that can shape how we view your story? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm a
1: cishet white woman. Um, I come from a pretty privileged um, financial background. Um, That is something that um, plays in my mind a lot um, as I'm writing. I know that not everyone has um, a lot of the privileges that I have. So um, I definitely keep it in mind and try and sort of see things from other people's perspectives as
0: I'm writing. I love it. Um, Tell everyone cause you just came out with your account. What? Like three months ago. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It started in May. And I mean, it t- you're at like 1500 followers. Mm-hmm. Um, so talk about how we know each other and because it's, we sound like friends, we, we sound like just old pals <laughs> chatting. Yeah, totally, it was like an instant thing for us, I feel like.
1: Um, well, I I I definitely slid into your friendship DMs mm-hmm. um, on my personal account a while ago and was like giving you like, you know, play-by-play by, play by play like opinions on the first season of your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I like I was just like sitting here thinking she does not care what I think about every like moment of their podcast but um I just decided to share anyway so yeah I loved it I mean for the record I love that
2: <laughs> just a little
0: yeah um <laughs> and yeah there
1: and then just, and then like I think a few months later I mean I, I assume at this point like you were just like oh just another follower or whatever um and then in May, I think I contacted you and just told you, Hey,
0: I started this account. (laughs) So, and then we just kept talking, but you came out swinging though, because you weren't just like (laughs) another polyamorous account. You came in with content and your brand is very niche purity to polyamory. Love that that handle was available by the way. Oh, I know. It was like one of those things
1: where I was driving down the road and I was like, what would best say my story? And it just like came to me and I was like, Oh my gosh, pull over, go to Instagram right now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm manic like that too. It has to be in in the moment. Totally. And your byline is like from promise rings to what is it? (laughs) From purity rings to opening my mind and marriage to more. Mm, I love it. (laughs) Um, So talk about your kind of, were you expecting that immediate rise on Instagram? (laughs) No, I don't think that I really expected um, as many people,
1: um, and especially like the interaction that I'm getting, um, but I definitely saw a lack in the intersection of polyamory and exvangelicalism. Is that the word? Exvangelicalism, I don't know. Deconstructing faith um, circles are huge right now. They're only growing, it appears. Um, I'm not sure why exactly. I don't know if it's like the political environment over the last couple of years, Um, maybe just paired with these these deconstructing accounts that are building and so it's just it's getting to the point where there's a lot of people questioning their faith and um, of course I have been on my own journey of deconstructing monogamy as well and I feel that those two things sort of go hand in hand Um, at least they did for me and so I just was looking for a space that you know would be the intersection of those two topics and I couldn't find it
0: I just learned the word exvangelical um, from Instagram. And gosh, I just, I'm so excited for this interview. I have so many questions. How are you doing over there?
2: I am loving the sound <laughs> of all this. Exvangelical, sign me up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I
1: love how you're not an exvangelical, but you have been like my little cheerleader for the last couple months. And you're just like all about it. I love it so much.
0: <laughs> I Well, I just love you. And like, um, I- you know feel really maybe I guess lucky to have not grown up in purity culture I mean to some extent our current sex education is still purity culture but not the way that I mean I know so many ex-Mormons and ex-Jehovah's Witnesses and it's just like holy shit um the idea of having to actively deconstruct and I'm deconstructing monogamy culture, but to have to do that at the same time as deconstructing purity culture, (laughs) it's like, it's seriously two different mountains, but they're in the same, um, what do we call that? Arena. Oh, range. They're in the same mountain range. They're next to Mm -hmm. each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It certainly adds another level of um,
1: just deconstructing that you have to do. And I think a lot of things that are just like really ingrained in us that we don't even realize until we really start to unpack it. I mean, the same thing when you're, when you're trying to, you know, get away from toxic monogamy. Um, It's just all of the same things, but almost just like, I don't know, deeper or just more, more, more to sort of unpack.
0: Yeah. Well, so tell me, I'm sure they intersect a lot. Yeah. Um, but can you talk a little bit about the similarities and the differences between deconstructing purity culture and deconstructing monogamy or actually pause table that mm-hmm. you remember what I'm tabling right now. Okay. I got this. okay. <laughs> what is purity culture? Cause you know, sometimes I come out here, like assuming everyone knows what something is, but assume that we don't know what purity culture is. Can you define it for us? I'm so excited when I meet someone who doesn't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, so purity culture, it really sort of rose the 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 term purity culture is something that I believe a lot of exvangelicals have sort of um, come up with this term to name this like cultural phenomenon that happened in the probably like the late 90s early 2000s where um, churches were really just teaching young people that they should be waiting till marriage to have sex and out of that just grew this whole culture which was like true love waits. Um, There was rings sold at like Christian bookstores. There were books written about like waiting till marriage and not just waiting till marriage. Some of them were like condoning, like not kissing till the, till the ceremony. And my God. (laughs) Yeah. And so it was just intense. And I mean, I remember, you know, I, I became a Christian um, at a Christian camp Um, I actually didn't really grow up really in Christianity um, in my home, but I just remember having this conversation with, A counselor there that I really looked up to and her telling me about this couple that she knew that was about to get married and they had never kissed yet and it's just so holy and God is going to bless them if they because they've waited and look how amazing they are and at the time you know as a very like influential or heavily influenced teenager um I was like oh wow, that's really cool. You know, like I want that blessing on myself. So it just was something
0: that I internalized at that point. Um, so did you have, you describe yourself as an ex-evangelical, mm-hmm. what religion were you in, or is that even a relevant question? Yeah. I was just like non-denominational Christian. Okay. Yeah. okay. But evangelical. Evangelical Christian. Yeah like, arms up during Oceans from Hillsong, like, having a moment (laughs) with the Lord? Yeah, I would say, um, you know, I hopped around to a lot of different churches.
1: What's kind of interesting to me, uh, to my story, is just that I didn't, I wasn't heavily influenced by my parents to be religious, so I really sort of just, like, floated to different churches, and um, really the camp that I talked about was the place that I um, found my faith in. Um, but yeah, it wasn't like
0: super charismatic or anything like that. Oh, okay okay (laughs) because I'm all here for the like I like to get really stoned trigger warning (laughs) I like to get really stoned and go to churches with really dope worship bands and have a moment with the Lord myself but I'm also doing it in my own way (laughs) yeah I mean I loved worship at the time I still I mean I
1: I I consider karaoke worship now so that's hot yeah it's 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 basically one of my favorite pastimes so yeah that's that's how i worship these days
0: but serious question what is your go-to karaoke song oh my gosh it's let it be by the beatles
2: interesting Mm
0: -hmm. joe likes it (laughs) point for you in the joe box (laughs) it's simple it's easy So what are some of the elements of purity culture? I know you talked about like not even kissing till you get married and rings and stuff like that, but talk about dating. So like you're coming into your sexuality as a teenager, but you're doing it within purity culture. What's that like? Um, It's a, uh, can we, can we cast on the podcast? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I mean, have you heard
1: me this whole time? (laughs) Okay. Um, yeah, it's a complete mind fuck, Um, I mean, you're obviously like a horny teenager and then you're basically fighting yourself constantly to feel like you have to not do that, not do anything like that. And it's just messes with your mind Um, and the shame and the guilt is it's just maddening basically. So my husband and I started dating when we were 16, I was 16 Um, and we waited I want to say about two years before we had sex. We had sex before we were married. Um, So we were definitely like sinners in that way, Um, (laughs) but we were engaged. (laughs) So So is that what you told yourselves in the moment? But we're engaged. Yeah. I think I told myself, my husband actually, what's funny is that he never really like was interested in any of this. Like He was like, why are we not doing this yet? (laughs) and so we used to like fight about it because I was the one that was like we have to uphold the Christian values and he
0: was like I don't really care about that part of Christianity (laughs)
1: um I
0: (laughs) put that one away a long time ago
1: right and like I look back and I'm just like man I should have listened to him more but um yeah so (laughs) it just was like constantly feeling guilty like I actually went to a um Christian University. Um, my first year out of high school, and I had to sign a pledge that said I wouldn't dance, or drink, or have sex outside of marriage. And so, it's just like <laughs> basically all of the fun things. That's what they should have put. That's some footloose shit. Like, yeah, that reminds me of a
2: plot of some movie where they ask the kids to sign some form, and then they all rebel and go like, "Fuck you, man." <laughs>
1: I know, except there really wasn't a lot of people rebelling there, or
0: at least I don't know about them. I should have been friends with them. Did you guys have the like rings before spring or whatever? (laughs) That is definitely a thing at the Christian university that I went to.
1: However, I started dating my husband like in high school. So I already had like my ring set up. So I wasn't looking, looking for anyone, but there was like, a bunch of people that got engaged
0: within months of starting there as freshmen, oh yeah, oh my God, I cannot even fathom that. <laughs> I was like, God, I would go I'm trying to imagine what I was doing freshman year. I was hosting <laughs> drag shows and was like unsure of my sexuality anyway. so was the sex you were having with your husband forbidden and hot because it was forbidden? <laughs> I would say
1: yes I mean I think it contributed to like a lot of tension (laughs) between us um and but then it was like so sad because every time we had a sexual encounter afterwards I would like cry
0: oh god that is so damaging yeah it's seriously so damaging and I think that's the shitty part and I thought that after I asked you like was it hot and then I was like but probably after it was just like ruined (laughs) it was so sad and like
1: he again like he didn't really care about that part and he didn't really get that he didn't internalize um that part of it and so he just was like like he had no idea how to support me I just felt like so awful every single time um and it was super shitty
0: Mm. I had that with masturbating growing up. I mean, nobody like told me it was wrong and it wasn't like coming, being condemned by a religion. I just had a natural, like I'm a horrible, dirty, shameful person. Yeah, it
1: really messes with your mind. And I'm so excited. I have kiddos and I am so excited to raise them in a sex positive world.
0: (laughs) What, how old are your kids? They're eight and 10. I love that. What are you imagining doing differently than what you had?
1: Well, and I don't blame my mom at all. Um, my mom was a single mom. Um, and she, I I don't know where her faith is now or was then she's never really pushed anything on me. Um, but I, I know that I feel that she was like sort of under the pressure of what I had chosen for myself and my own belief system. She knew like I was like really into Christianity and everything and so I remember one time my husband and I, when we first started dating, she like printed off this article about abstinence and placed it on my nightstand. (laughs) Um, So that was like the extent of like the conversation that she had with me.
0: (laughs) If you can call it that. Yeah, (laughs)
1: exactly. Um, So I definitely don't feel like my upbringing was as bad as a lot of people have had to deal with in um, the Christian world. Um, I I just really want my kids to not feel shame um, around their sexuality and to know that it's normal. And I mean, in terms of like abstinence, like fuck that. Like that's... (laughs) (laughs) that's not even like close to on my radar for how I'm going to parent them. Like I just want them to feel supported and loved and have this awesome shame free sex life.
0: Fuck. Yeah. I'm really excited to hear about your story. That's one of my favorite questions to ask people is like, how did you go from wherever you came from to polyamory? So I want to do that in the second half and then kind of update people on what you're doing with your account, where you hope to go and what, you hope to have unfold in your personal life. Okay. Sounds great. And we'll be right back right after this. And we're back. Okay. So I feel like by this point, people are wondering why do I always say we'll take a break and then be right back. And then it just cuts right back. And I'll tell you why, (laughs) (laughs) because once upon a time I had a sponsor and their ad would play in between that slot. And when you lose your sponsor, you still have to set, upload your files into part one and part two so mm. that if you ever got a sponsor, a new one, you could slip them into every episode it would just go it would just plug right in and i wouldn't have to go back and re-edit my episode so that's why i do that i just don't have any sponsors
2: <laughs> <laughs> we are now duly informed
0: okay thanks joe yes um okay so we're chatting with purity to polyamory my friend from instagram one of the lucky ones to slide into my dms and catch my attention but she's, <laughs> she's straight <laughs> i am unfortunately unfortunately um So tell us your story. How old are you now? I'm 33. 33. And with an eight-year-old and a 10-year-old, you have been with your current husband since you were 16. How long have you been married? 14 years. Okay. And he was previously the only person you had ever been with. We were each other's first kiss. Okay. Wow. At 16. So tell me, I mean, take me all the way back to you are just living your normal ass purity life (laughs) and then what happens and when did it happen?
1: Well, so we got married when we were 19 and for the first 10 years of our marriage, we spent a lot of time fighting about sex. Um. In my mind, I think really what was happening is I just had such shame around being sexual and my sexuality. And I couldn't, I couldn't talk, like I couldn't even talk dirty. I couldn't say the the body parts because it was just like shameful. Like I had been trained that my sexuality was, was shameful. Um, And then he was the complete opposite really. (laughs) So his drive was like, way higher than mine and we would just fight about it all the time and so he felt like i was shaming him a lot um and then vice versa he sort of pushed a lot and had never been taught any kind of concept of consent um and so it was just this like back and forth dance all the time of um me sort of shaming him and then him like pushing my boundaries and it was really unhealthy for a long time Mm.
0: you you share that with a lot of compassion yes yeah
1: oh I have total compassion for both of us like I think that um we in a lot of ways were victims of purity culture in different ways Um, I don't really blame him for a lot of the ways he believed because those were things that we were taught were right from a really young age, right? So the non-monogamy piece actually came in a little bit further into my deconstructing. I had started, you know, questioning my faith, not going to church, those kinds of things.
0: Um, Can I ask you, was that just like out of nowhere? Was a seed planted? Like what started your deconstruction?
1: Nothing big for me. Um, Honestly, the biggest question that I always had was um, concerning the views of the LGBTQ community. That Mm -hmm. always bothered me. Even when I was like in my deepest evangelical days, I couldn't reconcile why God wouldn't love a person because of who they loved. Mm. And so that was definitely like one of the key aspects to starting that ball rolling for me. But I would say that it just was such a slow journey that I didn't realize how far I had come until my husband and I were sitting down one day and he said something about faith or something. And I I was like, oh, well, I don't believe that because I'm not a Christian anymore. And he was like, wait, what? (laughs) You're not? (laughs) Because he still was. And I was like, yeah, I'm not a Christian. And he's like, when did that happen? I'm like, well, about like over the last like three or four years. So (laughs) I don't know. It's just like, I wasn't really communicating to him what the, the questions and the unraveling of it all. Hmm.
2: I can really dig that because my separation from the church was slow and gradual. And it's not like something epic happened that forced me to a crossroads. It was just kind of a slowly drifting away until you one day you notice, like, oh, I'm not that thing anymore.
1: Hmm. Right. Yeah. And I feel like, and I've written about this on my page, um, non-monogamy was the final piece for me. Hmm. Because my sexuality and the shame around my sexuality was so tied up in my faith. Um, in order to release that, like, shame around sexuality and really embrace it, I had, um, I don't know, I had to let that go in order to explore non-monogamy, which I wanted to at that time.
0: Wow. Wow. Okay, so you start deconstructing, okay, so I took you on a tangent, so go back, yeah, no, it's- so you start deconstructing, and then what? yeah,
1: and so, um, I think it's just sort of a funny story, like how we fell into non monogamy, but um, I don't know, honestly, like, I went on a trip with some friends to Vegas, and they like danced with some guys and I came back and I was telling my husband about it and he was like, "Well, why didn't you dance with anyone?" And I was like, "Well, I wouldn't do that. Why would I do that? You know, we're married." And he was like, "Well, I don't know. That might be kind of fun for you to do." And so he was like turned on by that fantasy and So that sort of like started this whole like snowball thing into us being open with each other. And it was actually like one of the best parts of our relationship because I finally like was opening up and, um not having all that that guilt and shame around my sexuality and like telling him things like I've looked at porn before (laughs) and he and he'd be like wow that's awesome and like it really just sort of again snowballed from there into this fantasy about potentially being with other people
0: Mm. Okay. So then did you guys like talk about swinging or did it just exist in the, it's fun for us to tell each other things we're thinking about world for a while? So he was pretty
1: encouraging of me to explore, obviously, because he was excited about what was happening. Um, and, I really don't know how it happened, but I just sort of was like, hey, people on the internet are sexting each other these days. Have you heard? (laughs) Mm -hmm. I was like, how would you feel about me getting online and like talking to some people? Because I don't know, that would be really fun. Um, And maybe like you could read my conversations or whatever. So we were both on the same page. And he was like, totally down for it. Like he was like, this is really cool. This is exciting. So that's basically how we. Got into it, and then as that progressed, we sort of contemplated like, oh, maybe we'll get into swinging, and we even like went on a date with a couple, and they were super awesome. But I found the entire concept really awkward. (laughs) Um, No shame to swingers; I have tons of um, swinger friends. Um, It's just that I think from my background, I'm like, okay, hold up. I've only been with one person my whole life, and now. I'm supposed to like sit here and flirt with this dude right in front of my husband. Like, This feels weird to me.
0: Yeah, it would be hard. Like in some ways people think like if we did it together, it would be easier. But depending on who you are, it's so much easier to just have it separate. Right, and so that was like the
1: first moment where I was like, this would be kind of cool if we were doing our own thing, but I didn't know what that looked like. And admittedly, and I say this like very clearly in all my writing, like we had no clue what we were getting ourselves into. We did not know what non-monogamy was. We did not know what polyamory was for sure. And we just were like, this is fun. Let's, you know, keep going and just keep communicating and We got a few months into me just talking to people online. And I met someone that I had a really instant connection with. Um, We were supposed to sort of go on like a, a, a couple's date with them. And then I was informed that his wife wasn't interested, but was encouraging him to have his own adventures. And so... I just was like, well, I don't know about that. I don't know, we'll see. And we just kept talking and our friendship sort
0: of deepened really quickly.
1: Um, mm.
0: oh, I love that. Oh, that's like my favorite <laughs> part about online dating. Anyway, keep going. Yeah, it was like really instant chemistry. And I was communicating
1: to my husband the whole time about what was going on. Cause that was like the agreement we had. Um, he could read my phone at any time. We talked about things. And I was starting to communicate to him that I wanted to meet this person because he was local. And I was like, this could be someone who could be like our friends with benefits. Um, And I think this is really basically where everything started to go downhill for us. Um, He, struggled with the idea of me having like deeper feelings for someone else and again we didn't know what polyamory was at this time Um, did
0: you think that you had just like invented something or did you (laughs) know that this was something other people do well I definitely started looking
1: into it at this time because I was like there's something here you know okay and one thing that just like always sort of struck me was like how can we control our feelings so you know I have a lot of opinions on that now but that'll detract from from the story here so so we um I, I was communicating to him my feelings about this person and it went on for a little while but I think realistically looking back he and I both agree that he was pushing himself to a place that wasn't healthy for him Um, and then after, I don't know, a few months of that, it all sort of came to a head and he read a conversation between this person and I, that was very just caring and loving. And he just was kind of like, had hit his wall and told me that I could never speak to
0: that person again. Oh man. Oh man. Okay, so side note, because I do want to be vulnerable. Um, did you have the consent of that person for your phone to be looked at? Yeah. Oh, okay. Good. Good for you. I'm just do that because I know so many people listen to this podcast. And if we didn't talk about this, we would get called out as fuck. But secondly, um, I think it's important for people listening to know that these are some of the mistakes that people who don't fucking know what we're doing make. Um, so props to you. Yeah. Really. When we entered
1: into that connection or friendship, um, he was very much aware of like, this is something that my husband and I are doing together and we're like looking for sexy friends together. Um, So yeah, he was definitely aware that, that my husband could read it at any time.
0: And did he know that your husband was triggered on the emotional connection more than the sexual connection?
1: Yeah, he did. I mean, he was like, I understand why he's upset. I don't know. I mean, he's like, you're talking a whole different ball game now. Totally. And like, what? Because I, I did tell him. I said, I think I want to be polyamorous once I had like, written, like read into it, and and he was like, okay, so slow down a little bit because you hit your husband with that, and that's not going to be well accepted.
0: Mm. How do you? resonate one way or the other with um your is it harder for you when your partner has an emotional versus sexual connection personally for me it wasn't really
1: hard for me to have him have a different connection at all wow
0: that's awesome that is really good
1: But I also spent like, I'm telling you, this was like three years ago, like the um, timeline wise. So I've spent the last three years really diving into polyamory content and reading and like understanding all of it to the, so I feel like I've, I sort of like evolved a lot over the last three years in that way. And So when he did make the decision to, to go out and date, I was like at a really good place for myself to be able to deal with that.
0: Good for you. That's the most important thing someone can do is immerse themselves in the culture. Okay. So your husband says you can no longer talk to this person that stabbed to the heart, especially with one of those like emotional connections. I can't even imagine. Right. Yeah. It
1: again, I'll use the term mind fuck, um, because I had just spent about six months of my life becoming a completely new person. I mean, I went from someone who was so ashamed of my sexuality and fantasies and desires to being completely this open, you know, person talking about it with random strangers on the internet. Like it was a just complete 180. And, um, When he sort of shut it down, he really shut down sort of everything. Like he was like, I don't want you doing it at all anymore. And it really messed with my head because it was like, it had, it felt like it was who I was by that point. Mm.
0: So had he ventured out yet by the time he told you to shut it down? No. So this whole time,
1: this was, it was really only me sort of making connections
0: Okay. So then what happens? Because your story gets very interesting. I feel like there are like three more plot twists coming. People don't even realize.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, um, things went really downhill for us for a long time and I was really miserable and really depressed. I think we both were. And I ended up deciding at some point that I missed you know, this other person so much. I cared a lot about him and I ended up just going, fuck it. I'm going to reach out. And so I did. And we started talking and then I just had this like thing, like, I'm going to blow up my whole life for this person that I've never even met this person in person. (laughs) (laughs) And so I was like, I've got to meet this guy and just see how things are in person. Like maybe it'll like reality check me. Mm. Um. And so I did. I ended up meeting him for drinks, and nothing physical happened. But um, it didn't resolve me. I was like, I still really care for him. And all of this is sort of happening in my head as I'm putting the polyamory puzzle together, like in my soul. Like, okay, this is something that I really resonate with. Mm. And I approached my husband about really polyamory during this time so it really wasn't awesome I obviously was not being fully ethical um and so he found out or I I spoke yeah he found out he saw like the app on my phone and I ended up um telling him that we had gotten drinks and it just really really was not good it was it was not fun times after we had already had a really rough go Ma'am, okay. Just keep going.
0: Okay. So, sorry. I feel like I'm it's such a long story. So <laughs> I know, but it's I mean, I'm here for it. What are you thinking right now? Cuz Joe doesn't know your story at all. So he's experiencing it in real time. I of course am slightly leading you because uh, I know it.
2: Yeah, no, I am riveted. Please continue.
0: Okay, <laughs> Joe is riveted. That's all you need to know. Please continue. <laughs> so over the next, I would say,
1: year and a half, probably to two years, um, we got into therapy. We tried to sort of just like talk things, talk things through. We were both on the same page that we we need, obviously needed to build trust back up and be on the same page about things. Um, but it was just it was really hard it was hard for about two years and there were times where I put it away like my desire to be polyamorous I put it away I think the longest stretch of time was like eight months I didn't bring it up at all um, and yet we just continued to go into therapy and sort of have this like dance back and forth of him saying at this point him saying and i i think a lot of it was based in you know his wounds from what had happened but saying i i want monogamy and And then I would say, well, I want to be polyamorous eventually, you know, and I was never like, I need it right now. But I was like, I could lie to you and, you know, pretend I want monogamy for the next five or 10 years. But really, this feels like a part of who I am. And and eventually I'm going to want to explore in this way. So I think you deserve that honesty for me to say, to tell you like that this is something I see for my future.
0: Wow. Yeah, totally.
1: So, I think it was about last summer, um, he and I talked again and I just said, I've put this away. This was at the point where I had put it away for about eight months. And I said, hey, um, this is continuing to come up for me and it's really bothering me and I think you need to know that this is still on my mind. And at this point, we had healed quite a bit and worked on things in therapy and communication and trust and all of those things and he said okay give me some time to figure out if this is something that i could have for my life as well that was last fall um so he dove pretty much straight in i mean he read the ethical slut he i think Good he read for him. Yeah, he read opening up um, and he got on some dating apps and I was like blown away because I was like, wow, he's trying it out. So, I mean, he's really put in so much effort to try to figure out like if this is something that fits for him. So he um, ended up finding and meeting someone really awesome um, in the beginning of this year and they have had, I don't know their current status, but um, had a relationship for that whole time. Um, but he continued to really, really struggle with um, my side of, of me going out and dating.
2: Yeah, this is something we see a lot where one can have it for themselves but not allow the other partner the same.
0: Joe has a lot of feelings about this.
2: Oh, well, just I think it's just something that you see a lot of in the sort of, um, you know, easing our way into the waters of polyamory
1: yeah I mean I think that he was doing the best that he could um but I I just don't know if it's just outside the scope of who he is as a person I think um and I think he would work best in a monogamous structure but he was really trying because he didn't want us to go in two different directions
0: Mm, well and that's crazy like That the universe arranged it such that he was the, because that's pretty rare. Usually it's the girl who gets partners very easily and right away. And then the guy is like, even if he wants to be polyamorous gets frustrated because he can't find any partners, Um, especially depending on like, if you're not in a major metropolitan area, it can be even harder. So that's interesting that it's actually been the inverse. Uh, well, not that you hadn't made any connections, but just that you guys decide to try it and he actually gets a partner and that still doesn't seem to be enough for him to, not that it wasn't enough for him to want to become polyamorous, but like you said, it showed him that he really wasn't.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, I definitely give him props for putting the effort and just like really coming to a place where he's like, I've tried it for this amount of time and it just doesn't feel like who I am. And I think a lot of that shows up maybe like even in our conversations about me remaining anonymous on my account and, and, um, not being outed I mean he just was terrified of that and for a lot of different reasons um but like just things like that 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 for me as a polyamorous person I was like what matters more to me is who I am and I don't give an f about anybody else's opinion of me but to him he was just so nervous because that's not
0: really who he was yeah um so did your meta so your husband's girlfriend was she partnered was she polyamorous she is partnered to a monogamous partner interesting yeah wow the plot thickens and you're not <laughs> sure if they're together right now and i'm not sure if they're
1: together no hmm. i i think honestly that she was a really great emotional support and um he didn't have a lot of emotional support in his life. Um, And I think that's common for men. Um, So when she entered the picture, I was excited for him because I was like, yay, another person who can like, you know, be there with you and love you. And yeah, it just, um, it was something I think that he kind of needed. And so as we're going through what we're going through now, I don't blame him in any sense if he was still, you know, in communication or in relationship with her.
0: Yeah. So, so he finds this person and then you attempt to date and he's just like, not about it. What kind of things were you experiencing or how was that manifesting?
1: Yeah. I mean, he was definitely trying. It was just like, I would go on a date and he would like almost kind of be really passive aggressive (laughs) for like several days afterwards or I don't know. And it it, is like almost a lot of it isn't even just like, it wasn't overtly obvious, but just because I know him so deeply, it was like, I just had this feeling in the back of my mind the whole time that like, he is monogamous. Like I don't think he would be choosing this for himself. And I would ask him like, are you really sure that this is what you want? And I think he was just operating so much from the fear of losing me. Mm.
2: Yeah, that's how it tends to show up when there isn't really enthusiastic consent. There's going to be all these surface level ticks where you're kind of arguing about these things, but it's really about something else and that they're not in harmony with that part of themselves.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it was hard because i wanted him to be able to stand firm on you know his what he his choices and why he's choosing them and it was hard for me to continue to evolve into my polyamorous self and be really, really strong on my values and who I am and him sort of still like wavering. And I remember just even just a few weeks ago, him saying, well, I'm just not really sure if this is the best course of action. I don't know if this is what I want for my future. And I'd be like, wait, what? (laughs) Like,
0: okay, if you're having those thoughts still. We really, really need to
1: be realistic about this.
0: Yeah. That's so hard. At least You know, you put in the work, but in the last few weeks, you have had that, what so many people know that moment where you're like, this is not an alignment. We have to be realistic.
1: Yeah. And it didn't happen, you know, in just one fight or one moment or one situation. It really has been um, something we've been working through for a while. And The term separation had gotten brought up um, a lot over the last couple of months, which is not great for someone who is trying to find security in the relationship. Mm -hmm. So it was really hard because we were consistently grappling with the idea that we might be incompatible but also trying to like build trust and security at the same time.
0: Yeah. Wow. Well said. Yeah. That's exactly what you were doing. Right.
1: So a couple weeks ago, I basically came to him and said, you know, you're about what, seven or eight months into a relationship. I still don't feel like I'm being really supported, um, in an equal way to have other connections, and I think something needs to change here. So I came up with like a six-month plan of us essentially closing the relationship. Although I hate, I hated that idea because I hate the thought of doing that to my meta. Um, mm. Oh yeah. But I something had to change. So I said, you know, I think. I I'm totally fine if you guys still want to talk or whatever, but um, seeing other people I think in in person and stuff needs to stop for a while until we can get to a good place. And he sort of looked over this plan, like I wrote this whole letter with plans and books and such that we would read. And he came back to me and he was just like, I. I get that if we do this work at the end of it, you want polyamory. Is that correct? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, again, like it doesn't have to be, you know, in six months, we, I do understand it needs to be on a secure foundation that is us. And like, so I'm willing to wait to build that with you, but it is something that I do want for my future. And, um, again, I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you about that. And he just said, yeah, so I've gotten to a place where I'm, I'm sure that monogamy is what I want for my future. Wow. So it was essentially the same conversation we had a year ago. Um, but it was just, he's tried. So that's where we are now. Mm, how's your heart? You know, it's really hard. Um, We have worked really hard to be healthy individuals. And I think that we have grown so much over the last couple of years. And it's been really challenging. I think that we are both like way healthier than we ever were. But I think really that this comes down to an incompatibility conversation and it and it presents in other ways too and in some ways i regret bringing in the non-monogamy conversation because of course now it's like it's all about non-monogamy i mean at least that's what everyone who is in our
0: inner circle that doesn't really quite understand it thinks Mm. but so you're yeah you ruined your marriage because you brought up polyamory and if that had never happened you'd be fine
1: Right. And I think what they don't know or understand is that polyamory just shines a light on the things that were already, you know, struggles for us. Amen. And and one of those struggles has always been that we're two very different people. Mm. And I am like, more of a free spirit like (laughs) I want to just get up and go I want to travel the world that's what I see for my future like I see more of a like nomadic approach to life like as much as I can working from the road um and he is a steady structured guy he would be happy to do the same thing every day and it's not wrong at all neither of them are wrong but they're just very different from each other. And so we've been trying to reconcile our differences between like the way we see
0: life for our entire marriage. It's so interesting because when you start the story, it seems like he's more of the free spirit just because he, you know, had less sexual hangups, but it's just so funny that, um, like I said, your story has so many unexpected twists. (laughs) Yeah, I am definitely. And it's, it's hard because You do just
1: sort of both have to get to a place where you say like, it's possible that we can still love
0: each other deeply and we're just not a good fit to be married. Yes. Thank you. I mean, people fucking evolve and you can, you know, I, I call it seeing the exit sign on the highway. Like sometimes you just see the exit sign and you're like, man, we should get off here. (laughs) And depending on your attachment style or, you know, whatever people, you know, and you're like, fuck, we missed that exit. Okay. Let's get off at the next one. And the longer you stay on, then you're going to end up the highways ended. There's no way to turn around. You've got a semi-truck coming your way, like blah, blah, blah. You get the metaphor. Right. Yeah. Um, (laughs) you slid into my DMS the other day and you dropped on me that you think you might be solo poly. Well, I think that's the direction I'm headed.
1: So, I love you know, this for you. Oh well, yeah, especially yeah. Like,
2: if you want to travel and kind of live from the road. I mean, it's i be ideal for that. I
1: would think. Right. It all sort of fits together. I feel like <laughs> um, I am just really open to any kind of evolution. I'm not, I'm definitely not naive enough to say
0: this is how I will be for the rest of my life. Cause I did that already and it didn't work out. So. Well, and uh, I mean, that's not true for anyone, but that is the direction that you feel that's who you feel you are right now. Yeah, I definitely can evolve.
1: Um, but at this point I have been with my husband since I was 16 and I cannot imagine myself going from being married to wanting to be in a primary nesting partnership for a while. So, and even when I did, it would have to certainly be someone who would be open to
0: the unknown of life. Mm. Oh, I'm so excited for you. And, you know, I appreciate just like the compassion in your story and the effort your husband put in and the patience you had with him. And, um, I think that just says a lot about both of your characters and, um, I'm really, you know, sad for the heartache and, you know, uh, it's a death, you know, and that's always hard, but with death comes new life. And I'm just wondering with that new life, are you stoked to like slut it up or what? <laughs> I
1: mean, it's definitely on my radar, um, but I definitely, like I've talked about, like I am very intimidated because I don't have a lot of, um, you know, experience. So I'm probably going to want to find partners who are willing to sort of take things slow with me.
0: Yeah,
1: And um but yeah who knows like I I'm willing to evolve and grow and change and who knows what that will ultimately look like for my dating and
0: love life I love this for you and as always please continue to send me the deets because I live for them (laughs) yes will do
2: yeah certainly like well-earned liberation on your part there was a really intriguing just balance or transfer of energy happening between the both of you throughout that whole story. And it was just magnificent. And, uh, and as Jess said, a testament to your guys as characters.
0: Thank you so much. Um, so let's end in the next two minutes here. Just tell people, you know, kind of, you want to write a book. Yes. I'm writing a book right now. I am looking at
1: launching a podcast, which I'm super excited about. Of course, you're, you've been helping me with that, which has been awesome.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I'm hoping at some point in my future, I'll be able to do some peer-to-peer coaching for those, of, um, those people who are finding themselves making that giant transition that is um, going from Christianity or religion to wanting to pursue a polyamorous
0: life. It's so needed. Just watching your account take off um, just shows you how needed it is. And I mean, you you wake up every day with DMs, I'm guessing. Yeah. A lot of people are asking me
1: and I'm like, okay, right now I'm in the shit with myself. So I've got to emerge from that. and um, do some work. And hopefully at the right time, I will be able to actually really help others who are going through this as well.
0: Totally. And I also think just telling your story where it is now is helpful to people. So I appreciate that you're like, I don't want to do peer support until I'm X, Y, Z. And you know, that's your call for, to make as far as how many spoons you have. Um, but I'm just planting the seed that I hear in your story that you would have the ability to tell someone what you're seeing and their story. And sometimes with peer support, that's all people need is for you to say, I am seeing this. I'm hearing this. I went through something similar. Here's what I did. I might be projecting, take all of this with a grain of salt (laughs) because, (laughs) The most common thing I hear is it's just nice to have somebody hear my story who understands me and I'm just talking to other polyamorous people. So for you to have that double niche of people in leaving purity culture, evangelical, and exploring polyamory, I'm just saying people might find value in where you're at right now, even though you want to be on the other side of it before you chat with people. I do appreciate that a lot about you. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I'm really excited for you to write a book, start a podcast, start chatting with people. Um, Is there a way for people to support you right now listening to this? If there was anyone listening that was moved by your story. Oh, you're still waiting to figure out how to set up a a (laughs) Venmo, huh?
1: There's so many things on my to-do list right now. Um, But yeah, I'm working on figuring out how to um, at least get like, tips or whatever, but, um, yeah, we'll
0: just do a PayPal with your, yeah. you know, your Gmail. And if you're listening to this right now and you want to send a tip to purity for, uh, to polyamory through me, you can hit me up, go to remodeledlove.com. You can find all the various ways to tip me and let me know it's for purity to polyamory and I'll send it to her. And you could be the first person to ever tip her for her work. Oh, uh-huh. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, you know that I love you so much, and I'm so glad that we are friends. And. I want to thank you for being on the PCAST. <laughs> yeah, it's so good to actually
1: talk to you guys and um, good luck with the unedited season here.
0: Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. If you're listening and you want to become a part of what we do, you could become a Patreon for as little as $3 a month or send me money at uh, remodellove.com. You can find all the things we're doing there. And Joe, do you want to say anything as we close out?
2: I was just so here for all those real time updates so keep letting us know what's going on in your story and sounds like you got lots of great content ahead.
0: <laughs> I do. I put
1: most of my updates like my personal updates on my Instagram stories. So if anyone is wondering what's going on in that that arena, you you'll have to head to my stories.
0: Yep. And I like that you started treating it like a diary kind of inspired me to do the same. Yeah, it's been fun all right well thank you so much for being on the show you're listening to remodel the podcast I fought in love just a little little
2: bit every day with someone new I fall in love just a little oh a little bit every day with someone new.